When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Hope you're hanging in on a Monday. Woo! 3.30 kickoff for Florida State this weekend in what will prove to be a very, very important game for Mike Norvell and this staff. It's hard to wrap your mind around the idea that they could be 0-3 after this weekend. Could very well be. Uh... I suspect that they're going to go play well. Now, the caveat being after a humiliating moment in time, one that could bear the fruits of um, negativity, disconnect, anger, disbelief, that maybe you see a team go and absolutely go through the motions and then you know it's over. You know, the season's over, grand opening, grand closing, and you know that um, Mike Norvell's in trouble. You know, I was talking about, uh, and I don't mean for to be fired at the end of the year because that's not going to happen, but I, I would tell you that, uh, we, we, and I said it last hour, they're at a crossroads now, and it really was unnecessary, but it doesn't matter. It happened, and we went through it, and I gave you my thoughts on what that means, what that represents, how it happened, how embarrassing it is. And what a what an ugly moment for him as a coach and for this staff. You can't undo it. And we know from just normal fan reaction, after an upset loss or a devastating loss or an embarrassing, humiliating, however you want to describe it, loss, that that's what we do. That's what everybody who talks about the games the players and the coaches do, is spend a lot of time in the 48 hours, 72 hours after a game like that, discussing the many reasons it happened, how could it happen, what should happen now, who's at fault, who should be fired, who should be hired, what do we do now? They don't, they're not afforded that luxury. He has to, and I would love to have been a fly on the wall to hear what kind of honest dialogue has taken place between him, his coaches after this game, in those offices, and those players, whom they did not put in the best position to succeed on numerous occasions in this game. And players understand that. Players know. Players aren't fans of being uh, the ones who are ruthlessly criticized after a poor schematic effort, a poor game plan, even in a game-ending situation like that where clearly the coaches failed them and they made mental and physical errors. It's tough if you're a kid to have to hear that over the next 48 hours, as they no doubt will and have. 
But is it enough to fracture the bonds that grew from the spring into the fall camp into uh, that locker room where day in and day out, the buy-in was there, obviously. The effort has been there, and we've seen this team look better at times. You know, I would tell you defensively, Tom, the weirdest thing about this game is if you go back and look at just the numbers, purely look at the numbers, prior to the final two drives, and you can't dismiss them, but prior to those two drives, Fort State's defense did what they needed to do to provide the opportunity for the offense to pull away. The offense just never did. This is an offensive failure. This oh, game, a, a miserable offensive failure. With the cherry on top of an unbelievable and inexcusable call in the final play of the game, final two plays, really. Yeah. yeah. And that's where it stinks. It like, is the because, cherry on top, indeed. Because, well, and it's a massive cherry. Mm. I mean, it's like the size of a water tower. And the, the, that's what stinks about this game is how many times did we say when the offense failed, be it, you know, the goal line situation where you call a fade on fourth and goal, or the many times we punted. Boy, I'm glad the defense is handling business tonight, or we could really be in trouble. How many times did we say that? Quite a few. But by the end of the night, Young did everything when it comes to Adam Fuller, who was having a nice couple of weeks against expectations and against the issues and the hot seat that we had for him in the offseason. It was going to be one of my topics on the postgame show that we were still getting late signals, and there was late communication at the snap way too often for a game plan that should have been vanilla. And that's what this game plan should have been, and to a degree it really was. But that would have been underneath the surface, which is, hey, all right, spirited, physical, together efforts out of the defense two weeks in a row. Instead, now you're asking fundamental questions across the board. Well, one of which is how in the world are you in that formation? I I just, I still, I mean, in a million years, you wouldn't be able to explain how we were in that formation. Two men under. It's crazy to think about. That's what he said in the day. Well, Well, that's what he said, and even if you think he's wrong or that he was hiding the fact that they were in an even worse coverage, which is the one robber, mm-hmm. which I, I, I have not seen the All-22, so I don't know. On the penultimate play, I, I suspect maybe that's what happened. But it's hard. That ACC Network broadcast is, is a travesty. Hey, and- by the way, as an aside, God dog it. That network is an embarrassment to oh, networks everywhere. Okay. What are we doing? So I won't get as fired up about it as I did in the, in the moments oh, after the game. Oh, it's unwatchable. It's unwatchable. But everything about that experience Saturday night, if you weren't in the stands, and if you were, that was your own special brand of hell, was why it's horrible to be a Florida State football fan in 2021 because you have <laughs> you, you can't assume anything about any opponent, and we get taught that lesson over and over again. Even though this one played out differently than Sanford and ULM, the result was worse somehow. The way the game is officiated with targeting, what is targeting, what isn't targeting, the over-involvement uh, of these officials, and that guy got kicked out of the SEC, and he sucks at his job. Yeah. And then you have the ACC Network, which is its own brand of suck. And what really stinks about it, man, for me... A special kind of suck. I've got, I've got the app. It didn't even post on the home screen of the app until well after kickoff. I joined the game two plays in, and I was searching for it for 20 minutes. 20 minutes. No, they struggle, man. They struggle. The broadcast team struggled. Everything about it is a uh, is a toughie. They replayed review for two and a half. Well, sorry, not replay review. They go to a TV timeout for two and a half minutes. Any Anytime somebody has a cramp, that's what's wrong with college football today. So the officiating, the TV, our football program, in no particular order, we had to sit through that for a game that took four hours. It should have taken three and a quarter at most. 
everything about what sucks to, to be a college football fan and FSU fan reared its head on Saturday night. It was terrible. I wonder, though, I, I will say this. I've gotten, because it happened again on Saturday across the country. This is not just our game, but I saw a lot of complaints again. And I witnessed a few moments where I thought, we really are finally going to have to address this targeting thing. We're really going to have to address this. For example, Penn State will be playing Auburn in, in what is the better one of the better games of the weekend coming up. Uh, and it's really commendable, by the way, that you have Auburn going to Beaver Stadium there and taking on Penn State in in you know an out of conference game. I mean that that's we're not at a neutral site nonsense money grab. You're going there. It's a whiteout, 107,000 people. That's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, Penn State is going to be missing a pretty important player due to a targeting foul, and um, and he'll be missing the first half. We're going to be missing a pretty important player due to a targeting foul. So. I am kind of curious uh, if at some point we're going to get a closer look at all this stuff and whether or not we're going to we're going to see some rules changes because booting guys out of a game, booting guys out for a half on questionable calls is it's got to stop. To follow up real quick, a little bit of breaking news, uh, something you'd suspect because we talked about the too deep. I brought it up in the first hour, yeah. Dante Lucas was not on it. Well, a university spokesman has confirmed to Warchant that he is no longer part of the program. Yeah, and it went from he wasn't on the two deep, then he wasn't on the website. If you look at yeah. the, the numerical roster, and now there's confirmation. So uh, one of your offensive linemen is gone. Well, he had to go. I don't think it was uh, it, there was any question. I basically, I mean, I, they didn't do it because of me, but I basically called for that at the, at the beginning of the show. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing that guy? It's absurd. That determination was probably made sooner. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I think it was yeah. probably made like during the game. Uh, they've. Yeah, we don't need to litigate all that just because it was breaking news. Sorry, we can get back to bashing the general, the general game. <laughs> and you know what's interesting is I thought that the McClendon force fumble, which turned this game on its head too, was more of a target. Than, yes, a hundred percent, it yeah. was. Well, and by the way. If you're going by that letter of the law, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. what what ought to be. I'm saying by the letter of the law, mm-hmm. you're going to toss Deloach and not McClendon. Well, when I watched the play, I went, "Oh boy, under these Mickey Mouse rules, he's in trouble." I thought for he sure he shoves that, him. I mean, I, you know. I thought no, no, but I'm saying I thought they would buzz down. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But no, on the fumble, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, because it took forever too. They went to break, I and know, I was I'm like, like oh, "Oh, they're going to come gonna back, and they're in the booth or something." Yeah. No man, I, I we got we gotta let people play football. It's weird to watch the contrast. I watched a ton of NFL yesterday, as did you. Mm-hmm. To watch the contrast between what happens in college and pro football in terms of that particular rule and the implementation of or the enforcement of, I should say, of that rule. And in and, and, and pro football, the refs understand this is a game played at warp speed by giant individuals who uh, defy logic physically. And we understand angles and guys adjusting to a football in the air, and we get intent, and we get that, hey, the reason they're wearing helmets is there's a good chance that they're going to collide in a way that if they weren't, they'd die. So we get it. We understand yeah, I, I was having kind of a night sweats of a moment when I was watching. Thankfully, the place I was at, a friend of mine, friend of ours, uh, had three televisions yesterday, and on the big screen was the Vikings because maybe that was you know the team of choice. Tough loss. Well, the Vikings had double digit penalties in the first half with another five declined, and I'm having I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. I've got to focus on another screen. I can't live this again because for four hours on Saturday night, Gary Patterson, not the TCU coach, that that's that's the dude's name. Every play. You couldn't have a play. No. And then Jacksonville State, I don't know how they feel at a team by the end of the game. They had like 24 injury timeouts. I guess they were all legitimate. 
But every time, the ACC Network's like, all right, let's play this ID fraud commercial and then give you the loop of the ACC Network. We'll be back shortly thing for three hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, everybody was desperate to look away. The product was ugly. Let's just look away. Give me something else. I told Gene, I, I was like, man, I grew up a Knoll, then I came here, and now I cover it. So on three levels, I was invested in that game. Maybe, you know, as a businessman here in town as well, a lot of people invested in this game. It was hard to watch, even though I'm paid yeah, to do it no, and it, I love that team. Hey, it's way, hard to watch. If Florida State had won the game 20-7, whatever, okay, they just won the game, we, we would still be sitting, sitting here saying that was an unwatchable game. That yep. really was, both because both teams aren't very good and Florida State played horribly, especially on offense. Secondly, those officials were hell-bent on throwing flags every chance they could. That also made it unwatchable. Just the, the, the product was disgusting, so it adds to the ledger of reasons that you're disgusted by a performance that's unforgivable. And then you've got announcers who don't know players' names and yucking it up. I'm like, thanks, Wes. I'm, I'm glad you brought the book of dad jokes with you instead of, you know, knowing the roster, but whatever. Uh, I've had a chance to go back and watch a lot of other games, and that includes the Miami Narrow Escape over Appalachian State. Uh, if we're looking around the ACC, Virginia lays it to Illinois 42-14. Imagine you're a Nebraska fan right about now after that. I mean, we we are akin. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's hard to fathom the 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 similarities. Now, yeah, different right. times in terms of investment and tenure, but God dog it. It is remarkable. Now here's Charlie. He's chosen a different <laughs> path. This path includes success, victories, winning. Oh man. I'm gonna and we'll have time. You know, over the coming days, but I'm going to I'm going to tell you why I think, and and we'll do it more tomorrow than we do today because today is dedicated this one time dedicated one more to this to this oh unwatchable affair and gruesome defeat. But tomorrow I will I will start to lay out the uh, the reasons I think that Florida State beats Wake. You know, Gene used a picture that uh, Joe Bucks fan would be very happy about in describing the game. He said there was something on the field, you know. And unfortunately, in this situation, this is so different to me than previous games that are like this in the last handful of years. Be a broken record about it. But I feel like the players were ready to go more than the coaches were. That wasn't the case the last few times this happened. You're like, oh, nobody's ready. So nobody's ready to play this game. Mm -hmm. Great. That's awesome. Syracuse, ULM, Sanford. In this case, the defense was ready to go. The offense was inconsistent, but it didn't look like they were ill-prepared. The game plan was just like, whoa, uh, what are we doing? Yeah, well, I would say the game plan counts in being ill-prepared. They were doing a lot of cheeky things for no reason. I mean, the, the reason is that you want Wake to have to prepare for more things, but you have to go secure the win first. You have to go out there and dominate the game and then start to right. experiment with some things. So they failed the kids in that regard. But player investment-wise, that was I wasn't like, no, man, no. They, they don't care to be yeah, here Yeah, they tonight. weren't lacking effort. That's correct. They weren't lacking effort. We would have pointed that out pretty quickly. And they certainly weren't lacking effort. What sucks for folks? which, by the way, I get totally ripping him today if, in fact, that's the call at the end especially. But he undoes the good from most of the Correct. game. The offense hung the defense out to dry all night long. That's the name of this game, the great undoing. It's unreal. If they, it ends up being – If it's 17-7 and you win the game because your offense screwed around all night experimenting yep. with things and getting behind the chains because of stupid penalties – then you say, okay, well, listen, this is two weeks in a row. Adams kind of had him ready to play here. Look, they could have made some plays in the secondary last week against Notre Dame, no doubt, but they completely shut down that run game. And in this game, 
you know, this is they're mm-hmm. dominating the offensive the offensive line of Jacksonville State. Now they should, you know, it's not not an overwhelming thing to do, but they did. They dominated right. that team. And then the last two drives of the game are one of them's ninety seven yards, and the other one is eighty something yards. And the final play is the final play. You just undid everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, and and we have been marked by a defensive line with a lot of players who wouldn't show up week in week week in and week out. That's and what last it. year was about. In this circumstance. You saw the consistency, so you'd be happy with that, and it should be the talking point about the defense, what you're talking about, which is largely this is improved. Instead, now you pair two plays, two plays from Saturday night, this most recent game, the second-to-last one in which Mike Norvell confirmed today on the record that somebody was wide the hell open. The quarterback didn't see it. They beat him on an inside release. That's why they were buoyed about the last play, because they could see that Florida State didn't know what they were doing. The final play call, of course. And then you combine that with 3rd and 17 last week, and you call an all-out against an obvious screen-and-draw yeah. situation, and now you're focusing on those things. It's going to hurt your case. A lot. Well, and people were suspect to begin with, understandably, because they weren't coordinated a year ago. So it's two fingers to two fingers. Man, that's over and over again. It's like your approval rating was like five. You've worked it all the way back up into the 40s, and then you do a hit on a cable news channel, and there's a Svotska in the background. You know? <laughs> like, oh, great. Well, that. Great. That'll do it. Yeah. All right, we're done here. Oh, Ira Chaffel, Warchant.com, going to join us next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply tom did you because i know that we were all in need of some shot in Freud. Did you at least take solace in the fact that uh, Djokovic got beaten straight sets? I couldn't believe it. We were talking yesterday. You said he's down two sets, and I think it was three games to none in the third. Yeah, he was he was on his way out, yeah. But I'd seen that song and dance so much over the last five years where he'll battle back and, like, something changes and goes his way, and for the next hour and a half, he outclasses the opponent and wins. So I wasn't comfortable calling it over when we spoke. And once I saw, in fact, that it was straight sets, good, good. Hope it's the last time he makes a final. That'd be great. The, uh, the the chances that that's the last final he makes are pretty slim and I understand. <laughs> He's going to make a lot more, man. He's good. He's good. You know, I was complaining about some of the circumstances on the drive over to our friends yesterday, and um, I had a realization, maybe with the help of my lovely wife. The last 12 months, my professional teams have hoisted three world championships. Right, so you can't, yeah. So I've got to put that down. As we were going to watch the Vikings play, you know, mm-hmm. I got to put that down for a little bit. You were watching. You were going to watch the Vikings play and lose to Cincinnati. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, I thought of all those whose teams didn't get a win in Week One, like the Bucks did get a win in Week One, and and you know, my buddy uh, Matt Chicago Bears get pummeled last night. Oh uh, man, his wife Stafford looks sharp. Yeah. Well, the, the the Rams are the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been saying this for a while. The Rams are the problem. That's Week Three. 
So we play the Falcons this week, and then we go out to play the Rams in uh, two weeks to the Bucks. Tough day at the office for your Atlanta Falcons, everybody. My goodness gracious. They got uh, got their ass beat by hey, Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts looked like uh, an MVP. He looked like a very good quarterback in that uh, moment in time. That yeah. throw to Devonta Smith was uh, that's a nice little throw. You know what? Uh, you know what wasn't nice, uh, and I don't. I just can't understand how it happened this way. But uh, they come right out the uh, right out the gates, throwing the ball around the lot. Does Atlanta driving right down the field with two drives, and they come away with a couple field goals, and that'll hurt your feelings. You got to do better than that. And you know, obviously, I'm speaking from a man who had certain players like Calvin I Ridley. See. That didn't make sense otherwise, given you know. Calvin Atlanta. Ridley has three receptions on the first drive for 39 yards. He finishes with five for like 50. What are we doing in Atlanta? Sucking. That's what we're doing in Atlanta. That's unbelievable. Come on, fellas. Now, I'm not a Falcons fan, but geez. And Washington's defense, I noticed, kept them in the ball game, even though old man Fitz is hurt. Yeah. But Heineke comes in, and that defense is so good, you can hold a three-point lead late with holding Justin Herbert to 13 points. Yeah, except for that Justin Herbert final drive is a like 15 plays or 12 plays. It it's is. sweet. That's what you should do, though, in a situation where that offense has nothing. You, at some point, you've got to outlast them, but I'm just so impressed by that, that football team defense. <laughs> I'm also uh, thinking about the only other defensive coordinator who might be under more pressure than uh, Adam Fuller here in Tallahassee, and that would be there at Ohio State because the evidence that Jeff Halfley did a much better job while at Ohio State, now head coach of Boston College, oh, yeah. than the situation they find themselves in now. I mean, that is, woo! They were ordinary last year on defense, and now they look like they're just playing bad. Straight bad. Just awful. But if you're Kerry Coombs, I mean, uh, hello? That is, what are we doing here? Oh, the phone lines are lighting up in Columbus oh, today buddy. about that guy. Yeah, they are. That is, uh, mm. very quietly, the uh, program that impressed me the most over the weekend besides Oregon was, in fact, Arkansas just laying the wood to Texas. That was uh, a big win for a program that hasn't had a big win in an awful long time. So, and that place was packed. They haven't sold out a game in four years, so I can only imagine the energy there. It would have been a, a kind of a fun game to see. But, yeah, this is just a, just a look around, just a wrap around there. Let's bring our buddy in, Irashfell, Warchant.com. If you missed it last night, Sunday Smash, myself, Ira, uh, and a interactive uh, show on Warchant TV. So we'll do that every Sunday night at 7 o'clock. i got to believe, and I hope, certainly I do, Ira, that uh, next Sunday – a more jovial effort from us, a more relaxed, fun effort in which we, we smile and talk a little bit more about something positive. Only if, of course, this team can find a way to get off the mat and win a game. You there, buddy? All right. I've lost him. Sounds like he's there in the background. I will uh, attempt it once again. It sounded like there was a dog very upset with what was happening around him, and Ira is scurrying to get uh, to get right. Let's go. Let's, we'll try this again. Yeah, now we'll do it. Now we'll do it. Ira, you there, buddy? I'm here. Okay, boom, gotcha. Um, so, what do you think? Next Sunday night on the Smash, we're talking about the big win, the first win of the year. Knowles riding the ship after as disastrous a loss as we've seen in a long time. Uh. I wouldn't put money on it, but uh, I wouldn't rule it out either. I mean, it's a big week. I mean, this is a—I really think it's a—it's a—it's a huge week. 
to see how they respond. And um, you know, I don't I, even if they play well, there's no guarantee they're going to win the football game. Correct. Um, it's not a game where you just say, okay, Florida State's focused and wants to be there. This isn't one of those years. Um, but I mean, so so to me, the gauge is more how do they play? What do they look like? Just kind of like what it was going into Notre Dame again. But um, it wouldn't shock me if they won it. But but I wouldn't put money on it. Kind of important that they find a way to go win a game, though. I mean, it's uh, at this point, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, good that was undone with what we saw Saturday night. What did you make? And I'll go straight to it. Your thoughts, if on a, on a scale, if you will, let's use the Jimbo press conference post NC State after that most unforgivable loss and his reaction and answers that we were all there for that press conference where we thought, oh my goodness, we're just going to go ahead and blame this all on the players. To what we saw today. What were your thoughts on what Mike Norvell had to say today? I thought the message was fine. Um, you know, for the most part, he, he certainly was not going to um, admit, you know, real mistakes in terms of uh, game plan or in terms of strategy or in terms of uh, decisions during the game. I mean, he, he said that, you know, he basically defended the decision uh, on the fourth down, the, the last pass. Um, felt like that that was the defense that – they wanted to be in in that moment. Um, I mean, kind of intimated. You could read between the lines that maybe he'd like to have it to do over again, but never came out and said that. Um, really defended kind of the handling of the quarterbacks and what they did there. And then they've since, you know, the depth charts come out and Mackenzie Milton's the clear starter. It's not even an or anymore. So they're basically, you know, the, Mackenzie Milton's the guy for now. Um, so kind of defended that. And then as far as the running backs, wouldn't even admit that. Um, you know, the, the Trayshawn Ward and, and Jason Corbin should have got more touches in the fourth quarter. You know, he and Kenny Dillingham both talked about how talented Lawrence Tofili is and how much they believe in him. So there was nothing um, in a sense of, hey, you know, we, we looking back, we would have changed this or that. Um, so that, you know, is probably going to irritate some people because I think sometimes people want a, a pound of flesh. Mm. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, I think the, the overall message – that he gave to us was, I think, the same message you know he's probably given to the team that you know this wasn't a situation where what we're doing is wrong and we need to scrap everything and start over. It's we've got to play better in the moment. Uh, he did say the coaches have to make sure. Basically, said the coaches have to make sure they're putting the kids in the best positions to succeed. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to you know execution and details and fundamentals, which you know a lot of coaches will say. Yeah, I I, I knew he wasn't going to role as defensive coordinator in the press conference. There's no way he thinks they were in the right defense, but he's not going to say that. No coach really does. I understand that. Uh, I, I can't believe he thinks that was okay. It seems to me there was a miscommunication there. I don't know that for sure, though. We're not in the on the headset. Uh, secondarily, I'd ask you, they did the, it, it appears, the right thing finally. Uh, they're done with Dante Lucas. You mentioned the depth chart. He's not on it anywhere. Yeah, he's not only not, not on it, but he's no longer part of the program. Right, right. Um, we, since found that out. Um, yeah, and, you know, look, I mean, I think that's been a three- or four-year uh, constant kind of a situation where, uh, you know, Dante Lucas is, a, is, you know, a talented guy, um, but they've had issues throughout his three or four years in terms of just, you know, uh, you know, being accountable, being dependable, doing what he's supposed to be, be doing, and uh, there's been some close calls in the last couple of years, and I know for a fact that there were some people around the program who, uh, thought his time here should have been done maybe a year ago, but he's apparently a likable kid. Um, a lot of people kind of have supported him and pushed for him to get as many chances as possible. 
And uh, we don't know what happened between Saturday night and, and today, but my guess is, um, you know, Mike Norvell talked in the post-game press conference about holding players accountable for penalties, and Dante had three of them in that game, which is uh, uh, three penalties is a season's worth for an offensive lineman. It can't happen in one game. And so um, in, I'm, I'm sure in the fallout of that or discussions about, um, you know, punishment for that, maybe that's uh, when everybody decided to move forward. So it's a big loss, though, from a, from a personnel standpoint, though, because, you know, they don't have a, an abundance of talented offensive linemen, and he didn't always play like it, but he had, the, he had the material to work with, even though it didn't always show up on the field. I know it didn't come up in the press conference today, or at least I didn't hear it. I thought it was interesting on the sidelines. Ira, I know you're my resident sideline watcher, and I'm sure you saw it. There was, at times, real tension between Mike Norvell and Jordan Travis uh, in a moment in which he huddled the two quarterbacks together. Uh, did you see it that way? Did you, did you happen to observe that? And, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I was watching it, and uh, but it's, it's so hard. That was one to me It's really hard to tell because those – those moments when co- when players are coming off the sideline and coaches are talking to them, and sometimes the conversation goes longer than the, the player wants it to go, mm-hmm. um, and the player starts walking away. And I, there was a moment later in the game where McKenzie came off after a bad series, and I thought, you know, Norvell was talking to him, and McKenzie started to walk away. And, um, you know, so it, it's hard to get too um, carried away with, with assumptions based on that. But, um, I mean, I'm sure Jordan's not thrilled right now. The fact is, he's not only gone from starting the first game to then playing some of the second game, and then now uh, he's no longer listed as the or of Mackenzie Milton. So that's going to, you know, that, that relationship has been something that we, we all thought might be interesting when, when, when Mackenzie Milton transferred in. They've done a good job since he's been here about those guys being on the same page. Um, but, you know, it's certainly something to watch going forward. I know the result is shocking, and I know that, that's all we see right now is is that the ending of that game, how sloppy that game was, how air, ill-prepared that team looked. But I, I want to ask your opinion. Were you as shocked by the overall effort and the, um, I, I think, the unpreparedness to some degree of the team this week? Do you think that this was more, and this is just an opinion question, do you think this was more a failure of having your, your finger on the pulse of the team uh, as a coaching staff? Uh, than it was execution. Obviously, they didn't execute, but I think it starts with what, what they did that week in practice. I, I think they really miscalculated what they could get away with in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, that you, you, you have to point to that. I mean, there, there's a reason they were not very focused. I mean, and, and when you say they weren't focused, I, I cannot say that they didn't play with effort. Right, right. Uh, I agree with that. Norvell said, Norvell said that today as well, but, but what are focus penalties or focus mistakes? Penalties? Well, they had a ton of them. Guys getting lined up incorrectly, they had that. They had guys uh, not getting out on the field on time uh, during substitutions. Drops, have, too. Yeah. You have drop passes, and you have uh, you know lack of awareness after a catch uh, on the winning play. I and mean, so the definitely focus was a concern, um, and ultimately that's on the coaching staff. Uh, and I don't know that there was anything the two days we were out there practice, it wasn't like I saw anything that said, mm-hmm. these guys aren't going to be focused. I mean, it seemed like – they were doing what they normally do. I don't know if it was maybe in the in the pregame meetings. I don't know if it was the day of, if it was uh, the actual gameplay they installed and, and some of the, the tricks they, you know, the two quarterback stuff and some of that. We can make all of our theories we want. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is the team was not focused. And if they had been, you know, they beat that team by two or three touchdowns, even if they don't play well, and they didn't. 
I'm curious if you think uh, – I, I asked it sort of at the beginning of uh, our conversation here. Do you think they will go play well in this game against Wake Forest, 3-30? I do. I mean, I, you know, I really do. I mean, I just – there hasn't been anything that I've seen over the last – you know, we've seen most of the spring practices. We've seen all these preseason practices. I haven't seen anything that makes me think, well, this team's teetering on the edge. But then when something like that happens, you have to wonder. And now you've had an offensive lineman leave the team uh, and Dante Lucas. So – it's something certainly to watch, and, and if they come out and do not respond well, I mean, that's a really bad sign, and it just shows how much how much uh, Mike Norvell and his staff have to do to to get this team on track. But but I do think they're going to play well. I haven't seen anything that su- suggests it won't. Um, but you know, as much as anything else, I mean, that's what we're going to be looking for in this game. I suspect they play well too. That's interesting. All right, Ira, always appreciate it. Be well, buddy. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. All right, take care. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of vetted this game as much as you possibly can. Obviously, a lot of things went wrong for you to lose to Jacksonville State. And at the end of the day, whatever the reason, and everybody's got a theory, it's on the head coach to have a team ready to play and to execute better than they did. And if they don't, and they lose like this, and they lose in that manner, shocking as it may be, it's hard to know how the players will respond to that. I I tend to agree that... um, I tend to agree that they'll they'll rally and play well. And they may not be good enough, and that's the thing that you wonder about. I mean, they're they're not an overwhelmingly talented team. There, there's no doubt about that, and they are lacking in some areas. So we'll see if, if they even just playing hard and being focused and, and even playing angry is enough to go and get a win. I mean, the program is is really in the doldrums. It's really in a place where even if they execute and play well, it's no guarantee that you beat the middling teams of the ACC. Perhaps it's something for the next segment, uh, you tell me, but uh, is it noteworthy to you that, that there is no or next to Jordan Travis' name and it's Mackenzie Milton as the starter? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I thought going into the season that if Mackenzie Milton were healthy and he could practice and be available to 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 be there for install and to rep what they're going to run and to the, do those things that he would be the starting quarterback. I didn't think they brought him in here to sit. I didn't think he came here to sit. But because preseason camp was really more a question of availability than anything else, you began to wonder, well, maybe physically, again, what he went through uh, was traumatic for his body. There's, that's an understatement, to say the least, when you nearly lose your leg. I began to wonder, well, maybe it just can't happen, unfortunately, and that would derail the dream. And that's, that's unfortunate because you're rooting for anybody who puts in the kind of time, effort, and dreams big to come back and start at a program like this and at a place uh, in a Power 5 conference period. you know. And I, I began to wonder, but, yeah, if he's getting stronger and if that foot's bothering him less – yeah, they, they Jordan is a wildly inconsistent thrower of the football. He's he hasn't shown the ability to play in and play out, series in and series out, throw the ball from the pocket in rhythm on time. And I think they desire to do that. I think they think that opens more things up for them in a lot of ways. Now there are people who would argue against that, would tell you that this offensive line can't block that up and you're gonna need a runner. It's at least noteworthy to me because they went through all sorts of gyrations uh proverbially speaking of course in preseason about well we don't know who the quarterback's going to be and we wanted to get this work in for these guys and you know it's deload management days and and the cloak and dagger nature of who is going to be the guy for notre dame 
You could continue that, but instead they chose to outright declare it at least on a piece of paper. Not on a press conference, but on a piece of paper that there is no or anymore. I mean, if you if you told me that three weeks ago when we were in the throes of camp and there was debates about how much can be reported on, yeah. that that's kind of a big deal. I just think it means that perhaps McKenzie's getting healthier. And, you know, that's ultimately what it says to me because neither played all that well in this game. McKenzie was also snake bit by the fact that his guys can't catch. Uh, and, and that group really failed him miserably. Some of those numbers would have looked a lot better. He has an easy touchdown, a long one at that. But we have two other big drops in the game, including from Wilson at tight end, which that's a big play. I, I'm going to need you to catch the damn ball. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, he's fumbling it before he gets hit. He's fumbling the ball yeah, around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, catch yeah. the damn ball. Uh, it's, it's just the whole thing was a nightmare. If you're suffering from storm damage, T-Spark knows how to work with the insurance companies and help navigate the insurance process to help put your home back to pre-claim condition. Wind damage, missing shingles, make sure you call T-Spark Roofing and Construction to inspect your roof. They'll work with you, they'll work with the insurance companies, and they'll make it happen. Tree lands on your roof and there's structural damage. A roofer can't always repair that because it's structural. But with T-Spark, it's one call because you have a general contractor and roofer as well. T-Spark Roofing and Construction. One-stop shop, baby. I use them. Tom uses them. You should, too, if you're in need. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Little, little bit of a long interview. There it is. There it is. Yeah, we chopped everything else at the old place. That's the thing about Spotify that's killing me. It's killing me. We chop all these things, and <laughs> so you don't have to worry about it ever again, and I play the track. That's what you get, buddy. It's a good album, but nobody wants to hear that right now. By the way, the uh, I was just thinking about the, the games, the matchups for this weekend that are exciting. I was going through all the interesting games that we'll have a chance to talk about as the week unfolds. But uh, it reminds me, the Pac-12 does, of the ACC a few years back where you had about three teams at the top that you're like, oh, those can compete with anybody. But the rest of the league was just horrific. So, you know, you see Washington that's now 0-2 with a loss to an FCS team and get blown out by Michigan there, and uh, that's not good. Uh, Stanford crushes Southern Cal, which mm. we're in the world. Stanford hadn't scored 48 points in like the last 20 weeks, and they they do that on USC, which is – that's a toughie, Mr. Helton. That's a toughie. Oh, I posted this, but my brother-in-law grew up a diehard USC fan. He grew up in Newport Beach, and he's a Florida State Seminole first because he came here for college. And usually when they play primetime games, he DVRs them. So yesterday was an experience back-to-back. I wonder when he gave up on because he might have watched the USC game first. And he's like, all right, you know what, let's just flip over to the FSU game. What is this? Yeah, had to be tough. My Sunday is terrible. But then, on the other hand, so far this year, of course, uh, you have UCLA beating LSU soundly. uh, And you now have Oregon going on the road and beating Ohio State. So they're like, well... Got a couple at the top, and Arizona State's look good in their two games, so we'll see. When you mentioned Auburn and Penn State earlier, I thought, you know, that's interesting now because we have relative conference strength arguments, and they're legitimate. You, you could argue these things now about, like, who is actually the deeper, stronger conference, and if it's a mid-level game, nobody's picking Penn State to go to the playoff right now, or Auburn for that matter, but when you're trying to move the chess pieces on the board and say who's the strongest, it's in doubt a little bit more this year. That's cool. I like that. It is. Uh, I'm going to watch that 
Penn State Auburn game. Uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. It will be after, of course, Florida State's win over Wake Forest, and uh, the opportunity to be in a good mood oh, as you sit man. down for seven thirty. <laughs> you said that so casually. I was just nodding, like, okay. Wait, what did he say? You're just throw- okay. You're calling for it, huh? Uh huh. Yeah. No, I'm gonna bet. It's gonna be a good weekend, is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm gonna bet. Uh, that we're not in a defense late in a close game, and the other team is in a desperate position, uh, you know, needing a gift from the gods, and uh, we're not going to decide to have five players underneath in order to take away the mid-range pass. We're gonna we're gonna know that the intermediate pass is not what we're trying to defend here, but rather something that uh, is a little bit deeper. So you're gonna bet that we're not in that situation. I'm gonna bet that we're not in that situation. Okay. I'm curious because we're comfortably ahead. Because you're, you know, you could be up a score and you're in the similar situation. So you, okay. I don't know if we, if our nerves can handle. Uh, can you imagine if this thing is it's a six point lead and Wake has the ball at the fifty? It's an interesting answer, but yeah. I, no, listen, I, I I I like Florida State this week. Okay, I liked them right. immediately following the disaster on Saturday night. It doesn't do any good. I get the fact that that so what. I liked them. Uh, hundreds of our fans will say, "I don't. You're nuts." That, okay, great. Let, we'll, we'll watch the game. We'll all watch the game together. It's fun. I do think they'll play hard. I do think they are more together than then, people think right now. Okay, so then you believe that the culture and the change in the changed. culture can withstand losing to an it's FCS the, team. It's the biggest question mark that have to, has to be answered this Saturday. Yes. When he said, when he made the comments that he did, that he likes this team's culture, heart, dedication, and he believes in what they teach and what they're doing, and he believes in them, I agree with that. Now, I do too. I just this is quite the natural disaster to throw oh, it's it, to throw the what, seafaring town. It's unbelievable you know? what they just did. It's unbelievable. They just incinerated whatever hope and belief people had in them. Yes, you're talking about one percent incremental improvements, right, consistency. Right. Yeah, no, it was absolutely asinine, self-inflicted nonsense that this staff just put upon these players in a, in, in a way that defies all logic. Really does. We'll come back, wrap it up momentarily. Jeff Cambridge at 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Rapid fire. We've got to get to it quickly, if you will. It is time to uh, give you the probables. North Florida Payroll Services sponsored this segment, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Your Mets got the big win over the Yanks. Yeah. Twins, Yankees, 5 to nothing Minnesota currently. The Yankees are falling off a cliff. The Mets challenged them mm-hmm. because apparently the Yankees were whistling to tip off pitches over the weekend. Yep. Lindor didn't have any of it. No, he was, hit three bombs. He was whistling at the Yankees as he was rounding the bases. Which is awesome. And then Stanton. Pitches cleared. I saw when Stanton tied it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's get it on. There, that's nice. John Gant, Luis Gill, the starters in that game between the Twins and the Yanks currently. Marlins, Nats. Sandy Alcantara. Pedro Espino. Not bad, not bad. Rays, Blue Jays, Colin McHugh, Alec Manoa. We got the Cardinals and the Mets. Adam Wainwright, Rich Hill. Strohs, Rangers, Jake Odorizzi, Spencer Howard, Padres, Giants, Hugh Darvish, Dominic Leone. D-backs, Dodgers, Zach Gowan, Clayton Kershaw. 
Red Sox Mariners, Eduardo Rodriguez, Logan Gilbert. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. All in all, I don't know. Yesterday was an interesting day in the NFL. I didn't uh, didn't love it, didn't hate it. It was yeah. good to have it back. The 1 o'clock window was less than inspiring. That is correct. Yeah. The 4 o'clock window was much better. And then uh, we had the smash on for the finish of that window. Uh, Fitzmagic out for a number of weeks mm-hmm. uh, with a hip injury. Not good. thought it was going to be an arm or a shoulder injury the way he landed because he braced himself. It was weird. Okuda for the Lions out for the season with a ruptured Achilles. That's uh, problematic. They almost had one of the greatest comebacks in the history of football, at least in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, interesting. Uh, the Saints have agreed with uh, Mr. Lattimore on a huge deal. So mm-hmm. he's locked up now. And Jameis threw for like 50 yards and five touchdowns. That <laughs> was 100, interesting. 148, I think it was, yeah, and know, uh, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Looked really good. Looked just at ease, comfortable. Saints uh, will be interesting. They'll be able to throw the forward pass again, Tom. It's so amazing that they have somebody that can throw the ball beyond 10 yards. That means you've got some things to prepare for. And given that the Bucks are dinged up in the secondary and mm. they didn't look great to begin with, okay, all right. They've got a flaw. They've got a flaw. Yeah, but you're not going to run. You're not going to run on Tampa Bay. Correct, and we'll see how good the Cowboys' tackles are because well, they held up quite well. And the right tackle's now gone, so that's a problem. That's just a, they're dropping like flies, those tackles. So Giants and football team on Thursday is kind of a steaming pile game, but I'm interested in it. Well, I'm going to watch it. Because you have a backup quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm you know, watching, buddy. Yeah. yeah. My guess is Heineke doesn't look like Montana, like like he did against oh, us in that uh, out of nowhere highest game. Highest graded quarterback like, in the league that weekend. <laughs> That's the craziest thing ever. Good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Thanks for uh, hanging in there, everybody. Be well. Deep breaths. Breathe. We'll talk to you tomorrow.